Hello and welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. My name is Tom Rebeck and I'm here with Charles Murray, a partner in our consulting team. Now, at our summit at the end of last year, Charles gave a presentation on the future of mobile with some ideas for the structure of the mobile industry and how that could change. So that's what we're going to talk about on the on the podcast today. There's a full version of this presentation on our YouTube channel, and we'll add the link to that full version in the show notes. Um, so, Charles, let's start off by talking about the current situation. So what, what's the problem with the current situation? Um, thanks, Tom. And um, yeah, hello, everybody. So the current situation is uh, an industry that has got um, low returns, has got very high capex, um, and is delivering, I guess, a mediocre service. Um, and that is putting the industry under an, uh, under an awful lot of pressure um, financially. And it's it's really struggling to deliver any sort of meaningful return on invested capital to investors. And everything that the industry has sort of tried from a um, tariffing pricing perspective to try and increase ARPU has failed. I and mean, we are predominantly focusing here on, on the European industry where the, the problem is more acute. Um, but, you know, increasing competition in other geographies may result in, in a similar trajectory uh, over time. So this sort of mantra of more for less and this unlimited tariffs, which actually reduce satisfaction, um, really don't solve the, the intrinsic problem, which is that you know, a huge amount of capex is required to, to fuel these networks, um, and you're looking at operators that have got you know, capex sales ratios north of 15 percent, EBITDA AL of 25 percent margin, and uh, net debt EBITDA about four times. It leaves very little financial room for um, uh, for any sort of uh, returns to to shareholders. Yeah, so apart from the the low returns, the high capex, and the poor satisfaction, everything's fine. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, people do enjoy using their mobiles. I mean, they're glued to them all the time. But obviously, that value goes um, uh, to the people who are creating the content um, and the and the yeah. app app developers, etc. Yeah, you've got to view the utility as a connect the industry as a utility. It is providing connectivity, and it's got to be the most efficient to to do that. Yeah, and in terms of revenue, revenue has been more. I mean, goes up and down a little bit, but it's more or less flat, and it's hard to see how that changes. Yeah, and and the industry sort of does have a view that you know the next G will change it or something, some future, you know, gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, but history has proven that is not not the case. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems that as an industry, the revenues are, are more or less flat, and like you say, the the, the capex uh, ratios are fifteen percent if you're lucky, more like twenty percent in some countries, some years. There's always there's this constant flow of new investment needed to keep up with the the, the next G, but the next G comes and doesn't generate any more any more revenue. Yeah, it's just a, it's just ultimately a lower lower cost per bit way of delivering the capacity mm. um and there's there's obviously quite a lot of appetite for for the needs for capacity and we haven't seen as yet the sort of s curve developing of where that gets to but it, it will happen there's uh hockey stick curves don't go on forever there will be an s curve on on capacity um you also talked in the presentation um about the amount of traffic that goes over fixed versus mobile networks and i think that's also an interesting point to make Yes, yes. So there's, you know, there's an awful lot of capex that goes into the mobile networks, but they deliver the hundredth of the capacity that the fixed network delivers today. Um, and the fixed network, because of the way that it's built and dimensioned, it can continue to sort of evolve at a much lower cost, particularly a full fiber network. Um, when that's been deployed, that's a much lower cost per bit, much, much lower and can be upgraded with XTS PON and, and future versions of that at a much, much lower cost than the, the, the mobile network. 
so we've got all of this money going into the mobile network, which isn't, which, as you said, delivering satisfaction levels, MPS levels are relatively, relatively low, and it's actually not carrying all that much traffic. Correct, it is, and then you, you just end up in the situation of, uh, of. The, the sales engine of the mobile operators trying desperately to find something new and, and hence you get these unlimited tariffs. But in reality, the infrastructure is not dimensional capable of delivering it. Mm. So you get this inevitable tension between the, the parts of the business. Yeah. So what's the what's the answer? What's the solution to this? <laughs> well, th- there is a sort of considered industry solution, which is the whole four to three debate in terms of mm. uh, mergers. So uh, four operators are more competitive. There's there's um, the infrastructure is thinner and it's more expensive per bit, et cetera, et cetera. All the arguments that uh, that are pushed. But I think we just need to look at the um, the history around those those mergers and whether they they really truly work. Um, one because with, with any merger, the, the competition market authorities will look at it, and um, the remedies are very well known and very well understood, and probably more effective than the status quo is. So, likes of uh, Germany and Italy, I think the operators there are probably wishing that they had never merged um, mm. because the the result has been a worse uh, outcome for uh, for shareholders. <laughs> So, so yeah. So, if that's the industry solution, what is what is an alternative? So, so we have a, uh, a sort of different view that the industry needs sort of much more fundamental restructuring in order to start delivering returns, <clears throat> which are appropriate at the various layers in the industry. When we talk about layers. We talk about a three-layer model, and just go through that as a as a, as a concept. So, the 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 first layer, the bottom layer, is the the access infrastructure. So, this is how you get. From the from the mobile device into uh, into the point of aggregation. So these are the, the existing macro networks we all know about, and that's the the source of a huge amount of capex. Um, it's also should include in there the fiber networks that usually you know, got Wi-Fi at the end of them with the mobile to connect to, um, and also there's a sort of class in between of networks which are. Uh, very underdeveloped, um, but but could certainly be a, a significant contributor to um, uh, very cost-effective capacity delivery, and that is sort of neutral host networks, be those indoors or outdoors. So that's what we mean by the sort of first layer in the uh, in the in the stack. The second layer is the aggregation layers. This is where the smarts happen, and it's where the contractual relationships sit as well. So that is the layer which controls the um, device across those three access uh, access layers uh, or access domains, uh, and there could be multiple networks in each of those domains, of course. Um, uh, and controls that, so the smarts that, but also has a contractual relationship with with all of them and understands the cost per bit delivery of them and therefore you know all do their best to steer steer the device to the lowest uh most cost effective uh of network which is fiber to the prem networks and, and neutral host mm. um and they will then have relationships with service providers or brands um if we want to look at it um uh, and, and potentially multiple relationships as well uh so the 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 brands are all about the customer service and ensuring um that's appropriate to their target audience be that digital natives or be that people who want much more support uh in terms of how to use the the devices etc so uh we've seen that happen uh of that area of the industry sort of um blossom with with mvnos but they've always been constrained by the commercial relationships they they sit with their uh, with their operator hosts, and obviously the tension that sits there. But uh, separating that that out cleanly would remove that tension and allow the MVNO brands to 
to, to really blossom in a way that um, we've seen in other industries that uh, results in better customer service and, and better satisfaction. Yeah, I mean, I guess to an extent, we already see that with MBNOs. Almost always do the the, the highest scoring uh, operator in a market for MBS is almost always an MBNO. Yeah, because they don't have the legacy of the brand to sort of fall back on or the huge marketing dollars of sponsoring the latest football team. They have to work harder um, and, and they target more directly the niches uh, and they generally do a better better job at, at tailoring what is a constrained commercial offer to the to the target audience and, and effectively this model would remove those commercial constraints um which are allow innovation to happen yeah but but you're talking about taking that that, that the mbno model one step further so there's complete separation between any of the service providers and the, the ownership of the network yes and that's i guess the ultimate stage and 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 the ultimate challenge for the traditional integrated vertical operator is that at some point the brand needs to be separated from the network um and that's that relationship is ingrained in the DNA of an operator, but that's where all the commercial tension arises. And that's where mm. this desire for, you know, the latest, greatest thing, you know, five-way carrier aggregation or whatever, and we can deliver, you know, 1.2 gigabits per second, theoretically, uh, you know, in some test lab scenario that uh, that drives this, one of the reasons for this continual drive of, uh, of CapEx into the macro network, which actually should be run on a, on a much more as-needs basis. Mm. So the changes from today, you've got that complete separation between the the service providers and the network, and then in terms of you, you had the three your your, your three types of network. One is the, the, the what we call the the, the mobile network, the yeah. macro network. Yeah. You've got the the fixed network, and then there's that one in in between the kind of neutral host, which bare, well, sort of exists but barely exists today. But having that that having more of a yes, so that, more of a role. An oft yeah. oft quoted uh, stat is that seventy uh, percent of the traffic of a mobile network, the mobile network, the macro network itself, is delivered mm. or is served from devices indoors. This excludes the existing Wi-Fi offload that happens uh, today, predominantly on, on on private Wi-Fi back at home. It flips onto the, the Wi-Fi network. So seventy percent of the traffic delivered indoors, um, and yet the indoor networks. Uh, a lot of these places will have indoor networks, but they're just not utilized um, mm. in, a, in an effective way within the, the industry structure. They're just sort of sitting out there. So yes, that would be a much more um, uh, uh, investment in that area would see a huge amount of that sort of macro traffic taken off the macro and delivered in a much more cost-effective and from a sort of you know, uh, an experienced perspective, delivering in a much, much better way. You know, the the challenge with with delivering traffic to an indoor device from the from the macro is 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 pretty well understood. Huge amounts of build, building penetration loss, uh, particularly in urban areas and and uh, business business areas and also retail areas. You've got you know, high uh, high reflective glass screens, which lowers the signal strength, etc. All makes the experience yeah. actually indoors quite poor in these areas. Yeah. Um, but serving the traffic in, from an indoors solution to the to the device which is indoors will really improve the the experience. Yeah, and instead of having three or four operators trying to do what they can with their macro network, you just have one in a shopping center or whatever. You just have one. Yeah. Uh, w- one network, and then the, I think the other thing was uh, that you said in the presentation was about the macro network itself with a kind of three, two, one idea. Mm. Yeah, so that you know. that's right as well. So it's partly sort of 
to do with like to a certain extent the way that the networks are are dimensioned today but also how the traffic lands so you can see you want to maintain some competition within the macro uh network macro access network environment uh, and you do that by having geographic separation i think so in the urban areas where there is you know enough value for for three networks to 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 coexist then let that be happen and the and the aggregators can pick and choose which parts of which network to choose going further out the further out you go the, the case for coverage gets gets uh more challenging mm. and therefore you can see the sort of third urban network petering out so just to two two networks and then ultimately getting into the into the really rural then then one network the advantage of that structure is that sort of final network in the in the really rural areas can be subject for you know government intervention in a very sort of clean and easy way and any of the um uh, aggregation layer players can get access to that network in a in a cost-effective way so th- it makes that that what is a real challenge about sort of you know ultra uh, rural coverage um something that which is which is addressable it's also sort of worth pointing out that in that rural area as well if you look at the outdoor coverage it can be quite good i mean the uk's you know trying to get to 95 percent geo coverage but that's an outdoor perspective as soon as you start looking at it from an indoor perspective then it's down in the 60 percent and you will never get to 90 percent so moving back to the sort of point of well you've got full fiber uh, being rolled out in many markets and that'll get with intervention into the rural areas as well um, and then you put some sort of a neutral host or even just a, a much more integrated wi-fi solution into those areas then all of a sudden your poor mobile coverage goes i mean there's voice over wi-fi but i think it's just a it's a uh, it's a stopgap technical solution or something that's a bit more fully fully integrated and a, and a better experience in those really in those rural areas. Right. So uh, hopefully the, the the model that you're talking about is clear. Um, the, obviously, in the full presentation, the the slides and it's a bit um, you, you can see it a bit, bit more bit more detail. Um, the question I think we always get or you always get is, is, is what does it mean for me and where, where do we get there? So if you're a mobile operator, what does it mean for me and uh, and more generally, how do we get to this model that you're talking about from the existing situation uh, but the, probably the answer is don't start from here um but but if you maybe take it through the different stakeholders so the the operators themselves the regulators the shareholders um, yeah what's their perspective on this yeah it's definitely a it's definitely a journey and an evolution you don't and it's got to be sort of partly industry-wide or certainly country-wide uh, you don't just suddenly you know separate one operator switch and switch this model, model on yeah, one operator yeah. and hope the rest of the industry goes uh, and i think actually the it starts well from a conceptual perspective that everybody starts to understand what the challenges are and where they need to go but also from a regulatory perspective the operators have traditionally controlled the industry through spectrum um, and there's been a symbiotic relationship between them and the uh, and the uh, treasuries um, paying a lot of money for spectrum in order to maintain their um, uh, you know their status quo etc so i think that that has got to change and regulators need to look at it more holistically about use of spectrum particularly the higher bands bands that will be much more uh, beneficial being used in a neutral host type environment with lightly licensed structures around them to give people who have to invest in the in the network um, uh, protection but also allowing anybody to invest you know you don't have to have um, deep pockets and pay for nationwide licenses. So I think there's need to be a lot of innovation at that level. Um, and the, and the, and the, the story back to the treasury will be like, yes, we're not going to get 
any any money from this spectrum band because of the license structure we're using but that will mean that there's more more money being made by operators um, and a wider selection of, of of players because the profits of the operators are obviously very low at the moment um, mm. uh, and therefore you'll gain you'll probably gain more in taxes than you will do in, uh, in a one-off sort of hit from a spectrum licensing so i think that there needs to be sort of education in that environment uh that the the result in the industry solution is better both from a tax perspective and also from a you know wider industry delivering on on some of its promises which it's clearly not going to do um in the current uh current situation Okay, and what about the the operator perspective? Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, phrases like t- they're not they're not going to vote <laughs> t- for Turkey's voting for you, Christmas, uh, etc. Um, yes, so I, I think in the operator community, I, there does need to be a realization that there is no golden bullet. There's no um, you know, treasure, golden treasure at the end of the rainbow. Um, and in reality, they are dealing with a much more utility-like industry, um, and not to uh, one, not to believe the hype, and secondly, not to push the hype uh, of the, the next G and um, what it's going to deliver, etc. Because in reality, I think 5G has been completely oversold, and and you can just refund some of the 2100s we've seen in, in Germany and the UK have 5G coverage, and it's exactly the same experience as 4G. Um, so I you know, I, I really think that they need to be completely honest with themselves and start some of that sort of mental uh, preparation for, you know, further industry splits. Most of them have seen their towers divested, which is an obviously in for a play, but to see further mm. separation between their brand and what could ultimately be part of, you know, become an aggregation layer. Uh, and also I expect to see, would like to see much more innovation or much more pressure they put on the, on the regulators to allow neutral host type uh spectrum usage and to see uh engagement with and and setting up of potentially seeding the market in neutral host as well uh not to not to own it but ultimately to divest it um and, and try and deliver value for shareholders in in, in that way so I, I, that's a um that community needs an awful lot of uh, it's a big big ask but they do need to start that journey and then sorry yeah and just as you say maybe just being a bit yeah. more honest with themselves and and also with their investors, we'll come to the investors yep. in a second. Uh, but about what the long term potential is, because otherwise you've got the, the thing we started with. You've got this flat revenue but continued yep. high high capex. Yep. Um, let's go to the investors, the shareholders, and their perspective. Yeah, so I'd like to see the shareholders push a lot, lot harder on much more fundamental restructuring plans and um, many more. Um, uh, uh, just stop this sort of perception of you know, oh, we'll think around the edges or you know just want a bit more cost cutting to to try and keep EBITDA margins going or stable and uh and try and generate a bit more cash i see them to be a much more sort of fundamental and much more critical of this continuum why are we spending so much capex um question um on the macro network why can't we do things differently i think they've got to be much more probing yeah. and much more um much more aggressive uh, and to embrace things, uh, you know, about alternative brands, MPNOs, and to embrace, embrace this sort of neutral host concept and really push for it. Yeah, but more radical yeah. in their thinking. It, it was interesting, I think, when the, I can't remember the name of the firm, but the active activist shareholder took a stake in, in Vodafone and it was reported, I think, in the FT what they, were, what they wanted. Yes. 
and it was to divest Italy or divest Spain or you know, cut costs. And it was just the, the same sort of things that I'm sure Vodafone were thinking of. Anyhow, it wasn't anything more radical than just the same old, the same old thinking. What you're talking about here is something much, much more radical. Yes, um, Sevian, I think it's the uh, activist investor you're talking about. Yeah, right. uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, just uh, from a Vodafone side, he's just constantly cutting the whole, you know this is not making money so cut it it's, again it's just well it's not death by a thousand cuts it's death by about 20 cuts but this there'll be nothing left yeah. sort of thing and and you're like okay what is the mm. what is the value of either a global brand or you're just getting rid of that you know um or what's yeah. the value of of potentially having um you know an aggregator in the b2b instrument uh, across europe which actually if you go mm. back to the european story of uh, and the one of the, the, the they want to see they want to see an industry that's structured a bit more like the states with and obviously the states has higher returns mm. then having an aggregator that sits across networks that serves global b2b businesses the b2b community is crying out for that but the operators failed to, yeah. are unable to deliver it with their current siloed structure but that would be a really interesting um, change, and it would change the dynamic and the the dialogue with the the commission as well. Yeah, and it is actually one where I'm speaking of Vodafone again in IoT. That's what they've been able to deliver because they've been able to offer connectivity across pan-European coverage, um, where both on their own networks and on their partner networks. Yeah, as well. so when when we have seen that, and there are a number of players that have done it, it, it becomes a much more interesting business model, and their engagement is mm. w- with customers is, um, is is a lot more interesting. And yes, they can use um, you know partners in local com- countries, and they can go direct to the multinationals. It, it, it's a much more sort of compelling proposition than you know piecemeal bits of network piecemeal bits of aggregation sitting locally because that's historically mm. the way that the networks were built and run i think the the aggregation layer allows you to see across multiple domains uh multiple geographies very very easily and you can see it happening much quicker on the on the b2b side than on, on the consumer just because of inertia yeah. and, and the changes yeah. i mean you can see it it happens to a certain extent in in fixed as well um you can see these players either in voice or, or or, or data, um, and there's no reason why it can't happen in mobile. Okay, very good. Well, thank you for that, Charles. I think we should probably we could go on much longer, but I think we should probably stop there. Um, but that was that was very interesting. As I said, um, we'll put the the link to the YouTube video, which which has the slides and goes in a bit more detail. We'll put that in the in the show notes. Um, if you'd like to automatically receive future episodes, please subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. We also welcome any comments, uh, feedback, and reviews. Thank you for listening.